Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning, my name is Olivier Maris. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer, and I'm going to start today's episode by giving you an overview of the recent market activity. After a slow start, stocks in the US ended soundly higher yesterday. The S&P 500 gained 1.83%, with all sectors positive except energy. Utilities and consumer discretionary outperformed. The Wall Street rally helped lift up shares in Europe as well, trading lower throughout the day to end flat. U.S. yields fell across the curve, with two-year tenor ending down seven basis points, and the 10-year fell eight basis points. In Australia, yields slumped, with the three-year sinking as much as 23 basis points, after the nation's central bank governors signaled a potential end to outsized interest rate hikes. In currencies, the dollar rose and remains near record. The Green Bank's strength has rattled currencies like the yen and the pound, which earlier hit the lowest since 1985. Now, while monetary policy has tightened further with rate hikes in Canada and Australia earlier this week, the European Central Bank takes center stage later today. The Central Bank is poised to hike rates by a record 75 basis points, though some think a 50 basis point move is also possible. Now, briefly turning to commodities, oil plunged 6% lower yesterday, reaching the lowest level since January. This comes as investors assess global demand given central banks continue to tighten monetary policy and that China pushes on with its COVID-0 policy. The Chinese megacity of Chengdu extended a week-long lockdown after COVID-19 cases increased, underscoring once more the government's commitment to eradicating the virus, even as the economic and social costs climb. As for gold, the commodity retested the 1,700 US dollars announced level yesterday, which proves to be a major support level. We'll hear more from Carson on gold later. And in the digital asset space, Bitcoin regained some ground supported by the rally in Wall Street. The token is currently trading at around 19,300 US dollars. With that said, what can we expect for the day ahead? Well, US futures are steady, whilst European contracts edge higher ahead of the ECB's pivotal policy meeting. In Asia, Japan is leading the regional advance, Hong Kong is down, and mainland China is flat. Swiss unemployment data came in this morning at an unchanged 2%, and expected data include Norway GDP and France trade balance. That's all for the market trap. I'll now hand over to Carson Menke, head of Next Generation Research, for an update on gold. Over to you, Carson. Despite regaining some lost ground, gold remains under pressure with prices hovering around $1,700 per ounce. This may seem quite surprising, especially from a European perspective, given uh, the energy crisis and the inflation we are facing over here. That said, the energy crisis and the related economic weakness in Europe actually are a reason for gold struggles because they are weighing on the euro. At the same time, we are witnessing a US economy which remains very resilient, which basically refuses to go into recession. Leading economic indicators remain in expansion territory and the US labor market remains resilient as we've heard last week. This is positive for the dollar and weighs on the euro as well. Put simply, the dollar is dominating at the moment. This in itself is a problem for gold as it typically moves into the opposite direction of the dollar. Furthermore, this dollar dominance is prompting investors to sell some of their gold positions, especially those that are US-based or are thinking US dollar terms. Holdings of physically backed gold products are down around 7% from their peak in April, but they remain well above 5-year and 10-year averages. 
At the current point in time, further dollar-driven and market mood driven selling are the biggest downside risks for gold. As reflected in our bear case, prices could fall as low as $1,500 per ounce should we see another, let's say, 10 to 15% decline in holdings of physically backed products. Meanwhile, our base case remains more of a range-bound pattern for gold around US dollar $1,750 per ounce, which would, however, require less of a dominant US dollar as well as signs of a stabilization in investment demand. Given that we see European economies and energy markets very much in panic mode, while we assess the fundamental energy supply situation as less dire, we believe gold could regain some lost ground in the short term. That said, this should not be mistaken as a medium to longer term rebound. The bull case of a US recession and a reversal of US monetary policy leading to a softer US dollar and luring safe haven seekers back into the gold market has rather moved out of reach for now, in our view. Silver has meanwhile underperformed, while the gold-silver ratio rose as high as 96 as of last week. While silver is facing the same headwinds as gold, stronger US dollar, higher US bond yields, and selling from investors, the market is much smaller and thus much more prone to such kind of swings. Our view on silver very much mirrors our view on gold. Prices may have undershot fundamentally justified levels, but a rapid and lasting rebound looks unlikely. That's it on precious metals. Uh, back to Olivier. Thank you very much, Carson. Now over to Tim Gagey, head of FX and PM Solutions Geneva, for his latest insights on currencies. Thank you. Good morning. Well, the market is just all over the place this week. Early afternoon yesterday, I was starting to think this was the moment when we make new lows, and I really did not expect to see euro dollar back at basically parity this morning. Today is the ECB, of course, and I suspect that actually parity basically suits everyone on all sides of the spectrum. Current pricing for ECB today is 268%, with 100% being a 25 basis point hike. So using my advanced math skills, I was able to work out that we are looking at 67 basis points, which is a bit nearer 75 than 50, but not nailed on. I really have no clue what they will do. I rather hope we get a 75 just to give the market some relief. And frankly, it is really what is needed. But let's see. Either way, it would not surprise me if uh, we circle around parity for the rest of the morning until we hear from the ECB. In the UK, Liz Truss has announced her new cabinet and her new energy plan, which will cost £150 billion. I remember when I watched the first Austin Powers movie in 1997 and Dr. Evil had to come up with a sum of money to demand a ransom. And it's absolutely ludicrous. Pie in the sky figure is $100 billion. 25 years later, Governments smash out far larger sums than that before breakfast. Mind you, if you want an idea of what people are really interested in, typing Liz Truss's name into Google proposes in this order, Liz Truss husband, Liz Truss cabinet, Liz Truss family, Liz Truss children, and in fifth place, and I swear I am not making this up, Liz Truss cheese. Perhaps we really do get the politicians we deserve. Sterling has really weakened against the euro this week. I think this is more of a timing issue with the ECB today, and the Bank of England not till next week. To me, this is a great level to shift euros into pounds, either directly or via a reverse convertible. Any strike above 87 frankly makes perfect sense to me, and you can even be much more conservative if you prefer and still get a decent coupon. Metals indeed failed to break lower again. And much like euro dollar and even the lagging cable, one has to wonder if we might find a bottom here, technically speaking. Long way to go, of course. But if gold really can find some support around 1700, you could argue the case for a double bottom from a technical point of view, even if I share Carsten's view that a bullish outlook is very hard to justify. 
My usual favourite metal, platinum, has outperformed again, and I think we can see a test of 900. I would not necessarily buy outright here, but again, as always, a reverse convertible, selling a put, really does make sense with spot below 900. And if you are long already, I would definitely wait for better levels in order to exit. Bank of Canada hiked 75 basis points yesterday in line with expectations, but the Canadian dollar still looks a bit soft to me. It didn't really react all that much so far. I would definitely like to have some exposure to this, and I think current levels look pretty good. Fundamentally, both the energy exposure and the proximity to the US should be positives, and it does not have the downside risk of exposure to China that is holding both the Reserve Bank of Australia and the Aussie dollar back. Given we have the ECB today, that is probably enough from me. So I wish you an excellent day. Thank you for listening. And back to you, Olivier. Many thanks, Tim. Now, Nicholas Jordan from the CIO office will update us on this week's investment committee decisions. Please go ahead, Nicholas. Thank you, Olivier. And good morning, everyone. Well, in the last couple of weeks, it has been made very clear that the mission to restore price stability in the Western world is far from over. The market action in recent weeks, which saw the S&P 500 declining almost 9%, the Nasdaq losing as much as 11.4%, and Euro stocks falling by almost 9% as well, was mostly facilitated by hawkish remarks from central bankers at their annual Jackson Hole meeting end of August. The subsequent aftermath in markets confirmed that central bank action and the rhetoric around it are key market drivers at this stage, with the ability to fundamentally change market direction in the short term. With that in mind, a look at the calendar of upcoming economic data releases promises a certain thrill, as we have the European Central Bank, the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of Japan and the Swiss National Bank scheduled to meet in the coming days and weeks. This densely packed agenda and associated communications paved the way for elevated volatility in markets and a bumpy ride ahead. The show begins with the ECB today, as we heard before. In anticipation of a prolonged tightening cycle, we switched into a more defensive stance in portfolios by reducing our equity portion in mid-August. We sold the summer equity rally by instating a short futures position in the S&P 500. This approach allows us to stay invested while managing the overall portfolio risk load separately. In our experience, it is easier to unwind a hedge after a market decline and take a profit than to redeploy fresh funds at a time when sentiment is most likely to be extremely dire. From a portfolio construction perspective, it, it now requires careful consideration as to when and under what circumstances to remove this hedge and take profits. At this stage, we see two potential market catalysts that could turn the tide in the near future. The first one would be better than expected US inflation prints. While there are encouraging signs that a more balanced supply and demand relationship is emerging in the US, inflation remains very broad based for the time being making it challenging for the data to positively surprise. Moreover, a single lower than expected CPI number, while certainly to be welcomed, is unlikely to convince either the Fed or market participants that inflation is now sufficiently under control. This is why we consider the impact of such a scenario to be rather low. The second, and definitely the more impactful catalyst, would be a ceasefire in the Ukraine. Should negotiations lead to such a ceasefire and a full resumption of Russian gas supplies in the near future, we expect a violent market reaction and a strong rally. 
In this respect, we are very comfortable with our current portfolio construction as it allows us to remove hedges very quickly, transform our defensive stance into a more offensive one, and hence participate in unfolding market action. With that, back to you, Olivier. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. And with that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers and thank you all for tuning in. We do hope that you join us again soon. Goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.